It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk as we roll along in season four. Today is Monday, the 20th of June. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee and the Ball Network. Good afternoon, Brandon. Hey, Paul, no matter what happens on the baseball diamond this past weekend, I am here to answer the bell uh, and talk uh, college sports. <laughs> well, buddy, last, uh, since we spoke last, uh, my team fired their baseball coach. Uh, re-up the softball coach for the uh, a record amount of money. And you're right, your baseball program did you a favor of allowing the Parks clan to start summer vacation incredibly early. Yeah, it probably one weekend too early. Um, I think you and I have talked offline about this. Tennessee goes through this baseball season, has a historic record, the most wins in school history. And much like in basketball, the fear is when you get into postseason play and the tournament action, you can't hold up that end of the bargain. Uh, and, I, and I really felt like if you can achieve making it to Omaha and qualifying to play in the, play in the College World Series, that, that, you're, that you've then stood by your record and whatever happens in Omaha happens. But to lose in the Supers, you're always going to look back on that and say, I felt like we lost one game too soon. No, you're right. I mean, any team that gets to Omaha, um, that's enough. I mean, I know you you want to win it when you're, especially when you're a, a Florida State team that has set the record for appearances without a win at 23, that will be unbroken. Um, but just getting there is the answer. But we are going to talk, I mean, I, 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 we're going to talk about radio today. We're going to talk about radio and, and what's kind of what its status is uh, in, in the sports sponsorship uh, pantheon in terms of how we treat it. Uh, I know that you and I are going to differ a little bit on, on how we view it. Um, and you, you know, have a unique viewpoint because Tennessee uh, is different than some other schools. But I want to kind of talk about that. So we're going to talk about radio and its place in the sports sponsorship mix today. You know, Brandon, you and I are, are both slightly older than 25. Uh, and we grew up with radio play-by-play guys. We grew up with, with that as a staple uh, of our lives growing up. I mean, I, I chose, I grew up in upstate New York. And I chose my childhood teams based on the stations that I could listen to my teams on. And so I, amazingly, I couldn't get the Knicks, the Mets, the Yankees. I couldn't get any of that in upstate New York, but I did get that blowtorch WLW out of Cincinnati uh, that, that went all the way up in upstate New York. And I listened, I became a Reds fan because I could listen to every game on the Reds broadcast. Uh, I, I had never been in seen. or ever even been exposed to a Kroger grocery store. But I knew as a kid that when a home run was hit, it was a Kroger blast. And if I ever got a chance as a nine-year-old to walk into a Kroger, I knew that on the day a home run was hit, I could get buy one, get one free chicken. And I was going to get me some if I ever saw a Kroger uh, as a nine-year-old. So uh, I grew up with the Reds. I also grew up with the the Blackhawks on W. uh, on WGN uh, out of Chicago, they blasted into my upstate New York home, and that's how I grew up with with you know with radio as a, as a play-by-play staple. Yeah, and I, I had a similar background. Um, I, I grew up obviously here at Tennessee on the Ball Radio Network. Uh, my parents were season ticket holders for Tennessee football games, and they had two season tickets. Uh, I have two other brothers. Uh, but mom and dad cannot afford to have five season tickets. And <laughs> even back even back then in the 80s, you know, 
all the games weren't televised. Right. So you may have two or three games a year that were televised. So the one communications link that was common that I had every week was John Ward on the Ball Radio Network. And, you know, I would be at the house with my football, listening to him broadcast the game, trying to basically play it out in my backyard, what I think is happening on the field. Exactly. Uh, and and, and that, that, that that is something that will be with me uh, forever. Uh, and, and I wouldn't trade that. Um, but I, I do think the, the way that we consume radio is differently now. Uh, obviously, television's played a huge factor into that. Uh, but even back then, the, the world of 365, 24-7 sports talk radio, that didn't exist back then. You were lucky if you had a three-hour window on a news talk station where you would have a call-in show or you would have a show that talks sports. Now we do it all the time. And we not only do we do it on radio, but we stream podcasts uh, where you can where you can consume it. Um, and, and so there, the, the media world has changed and social media has helped change all that. Um, but I, and I agree with you, you and I are probably going to differ on some of these things. Uh, but I still think there is a place uh, and, and hopefully a listenership and a large size audience where radio continues to play a significant role from a marketing and a sponsorship perspective. Yeah, one more. You reminded me of one more story. I, I, I uh, you know, I didn't talk about Florida State at all, which I try not to every podcast. But when I used to go to a, when I was my first job out of uh, college uh, was with the Buccaneers and I was the director of sales for the Bucks. And, and so obviously we had to work on Sundays, but I, I went to the Florida State games, which were all played at night uh, up in Tallahassee. And so the games would start at 730. They finish at 1130. And my wife and I would jump in the car. Uh, and we would drive home um, down the Gulf Coast uh, four hours to Tampa, uh, leaving at midnight, getting home at 4 a.m. And those first hour and a half to two hours, I occupied my time listening to the LSU radio broadcast because they were an hour behind us and they were still finishing up their fourth quarter and doing their post game. And that got me two hours down the road, uh, which helped me keep me awake until I got home at four, showered and went to work at 6 a.m. Uh, to spend a whole day uh, doing uh, Buccaneer football. <laughs> so radio uh, took me down that road. But Brandon, you're 100% right. And I think, obviously, the big changes is what you just said in, a, in an instant. Every game's on TV. Uh, and so fans have a choice now uh, of watching on television or simulcasting. Some of them are aggressive and are able to get the timing down or they can simulcast the radio with their TV broadcast so they can hear their favorite person talking uh, while the TV is going on streaming has been changed everything it's been a godsend for a guy like me i listen to play by play around the country but i'm a little bit of a freak uh but i love having streaming podcasts of everything from arkansas basketball to oregon baseball i can listen to all this stuff on my radio uh in my car all the time all those things are amazing but i i think where i want to go here is you're right it is different and and i i, get, I want to give an example uh and let you kind of react to it i have a couple schools, one in Texas and one in Michigan, uh, that in the last two years when we've negotiated a deal with them, they have voluntarily told us that their play-by-play, -play, uh, the rate card on that has gone down. And so we can do some different things with the money that we were spending uh, on that rate card. And I know that's going to make Learfield people probably turn over in their grave, but that, I think there is some reality there that people are, there are less people are listening um, to the, uh, the, the weekend broadcast, uh, the play-by-play -play broadcast. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, in, and I wanted to find out, I know you're probably not going to admit that on the air, but I wanted to figure what your thoughts were on the fact that maybe radio play-by-play -play is not as valuable as it was last year, the year before, five years ago, and 10 years ago. 
Well, I, th I think the short answer on it is, I think it becomes very much market independent. And there, there are certain markets, certain schools who have, who have a following on their radio network that has been passed down through generations. And, and in, in those certain markets, the, the numbers and the ratings still, still back themselves up. Um, and, and in other markets where th there may be more challenging times. Um, and, and speaking of like with Tennessee, I can start with this. We still have 65 radio stations across the state that are on the Vol radio network. Not only do we have those affiliate agreements, they are all paying a rights fee to gain access to our programming in their individual markets, which tells us a couple things. One, advertisers are willing to spend money in the local markets to support Tennessee programming, and they do so, too, because they believe that there is a true audience there to market to. Um, and, and I can tell you also, in our case, the highest ratings that the Knoxville, our flagship station, will get throughout the year is when Tennessee's playing football games. And that market share could run anywhere from 45 to 60 to 60 points, which that's a massive market share when you think about all the different options people have to consume content. Um, I think what we've tried to do and evolve over time is it's really hard to compete with the 365 24-7 sports talk because, I mean, it's just ad nauseum. By Thursday of each game week, you've dissected the backup left tackle on the football team. And if he gets in the game, how he might perform. So the <laughs> challenge for us is how do we deliver exclusive, unique content that the fan can't get anywhere else? So uh, I think we did a podcast um, a season or two ago about call-in shows and what are the value of call-in shows? Well, in our case, we do a 32 week call-in show that starts with football runs through baseball. We have our coaches participate. But what's unique about it, it is the only show where fans can actually talk to the coach so they can call in and actually speak with the coach. That's not permitted in any other format. Um, on the football game day broadcast, we have we have this emphasis now about delivering the most content we possibly can, even if we're breaking stories right up to kickoff. So if there's an injury update that's occurring during pregame warmups, we're there to break news about that. Or if we want to know exactly what the coach is saying from the locker room, we have access to that content. And we believe, hopefully, that those are the reasons why people continue to tune into the ball network. Um, and I will tell you, we, we talked a lot about all of the different media options that you have. I think that's actually helped radio. Um, and I'll give you an example because I think it's something that we've been pretty successful with here. So in addition to the radio stations that carry our programming, we're also on Sirius XM satellite radio. And then you can also tune in to the Vol Network by utilizing the UT Game Day app. So if you're a fan of Tennessee and you're out of market, out of the state, that Game Day app is one way that you can follow along with, with Tennessee programming. Uh, and, the, and the numbers and the downloads and the listenership sort of back that up. So I think I think what we have to do from a radio perspective is to continue to evolve, to continue to search for exclusive content. And if we can provide those things, so outlets to listen with exclusive content, I think that drives listenership. These last four minutes brought to you by the Tennessee Radio Network. So we want to talk about, <clears throat> there's two things I want to break down that you said there that were interesting. And, and I, and, and first one is one of the things that we did years and years and years ago that I still think is a great idea for a company that doesn't have a lot of money. 
And that is the local network. I mean, the local affiliate. Uh, you might have a, a store in four towns across, uh, across Virginia on the Virginia Tech Hokie radio network. Those four towns is the only place you exist. Well, buying a network spot uh, is an overbuy. But if you go to those four towns uh, as a buyer and you buy from each of those network affiliates during that Hokie broadcast, you're going to be attacking your clients in a unique way. And that is an inexpensive way to still talk to your constituency and still attach yourself without uh, buying a network spot. And we have done that for clients. And it is certainly a lot more work, uh, but it's a really inexpensive way uh, to, to do what you want and to get a message out there. The second thing you said is, is really, I, I wouldn't argue at all is, and that is the importance of out of game radio broadcasts. And we have seen ourselves as an agency evolve from really wanting that in-game stuff and have to have that in-game spot to feeling like, hey, it's not a bad idea. In fact, it might even be preferred to do some really unique content just outside the game and that shoulder programming. So whether that's, you know, an hour and a half pregame, an hour pregame or a postgame, we feel like that is the one spot where the people in the parking lot and the people that are driving home, racing home to get home before they watch the TV broadcast, or maybe going from the tailgate home uh, after a ball game, they are listening to the radio. They are driving and they are listening to, they're consuming that media. Uh, and that is a spot where, and I don't know, you know, this is wildly different market to market in terms of what the ratings numbers are. And we as, a, as an agency don't spend all day trying to do cumes and radio numbers, all that other garbage. We're just trying to get results. But we see results when we do some really fun shoulder programming and to the deference, uh, really the detriment, I should say, of maybe the end game. Yeah, no, I, and I will tell you, I think we've evolved, relatively speaking, with, with that thought process. I will tell you the the advertising agencies and sports marketing agencies that we work with, a lot of them more strategically are looking for pre and post game programming versus the end game content. Um, and our listenership probably says as much. Uh, we've seen pre and post game increase in listenership, uh, while in game may come down slightly. So it's more almost more of an even listenership. And I, I think that some of that is fundamentally about when people get in their cars to drive to the stadium, what are they consuming on the way? And then when you walk out of the stadium and you're at your, your post game tailgate or you're jumping in the car to go home, you still want that content. And I think there's a couple things to remember too. If you're an advertiser, in a local market, you may have three or four country stations that you could pick from if you're if you're searching for that demographic, or you may have three or four rock stations that you can choose from. The one thing that's still exclusive relative to the schools is there's usually only one station in the market that's carrying the live programming of the school. It's a one-stop shop in essence where you can consume that content. And, and while while we do we do have to compete against the television, um, you don't have the option in a market to compete. If I'm a country station against the three other country stations that are on in the market, this is this is the place where you can get the content. And the other part to that is much like television, sports is still something fans want to consume live and in the moment. It is not a delayed programming item or action for them. Sports is still the one thing fans want to consume live. Because that's part of the Which is probably the only reason that rights fees continue to go up because it is the only thing people consume live. So they don't, they can't skip the commercials. So rights fees continue to escalate because it is the only thing that people seem to want to consume live. Right. And, and I, I will go back. I'm very much like you. 
if we're on the road in the SEC and play a noon game, I can't wait to get in my car to drive back to Knoxville to tune into Sirius XM and listen to all of the other broadcasts that are that are going on within the Southeastern Conference. I think it's fascinating to listen to Eli Gold at Alabama or to pick up the Georgia Radio Network uh, and hear how they do things, how they program things. And, and maybe I'm old school in that regard, but I think it's, 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 it's so much enjoyable content to consume. Hunker down, you hairy dogs. The, uh, the you know, I, you said you talked about the, uh, uh, the, the app and I wanted, that's kind of a, a, a segue into what, what I was going to talk about next. And that is what kind of a driver. I, I think when we Brandon, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when we were doing, you know, the same thing, we felt like if you, if you said, what is the most valuable driver? Of a, of, of a habit, because that's what we do in marketing, right? All we're doing is taking sports and asking someone to change their habit, period. Yeah, we know that you did this for 20 years. Because of this sports affiliation, we want you to change your habit. That's what we do for a living. So way back when, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the primary driver of habit changing was radio and probably secondary was in stadium execution, right? Those are the two primary drivers to change a habit. I don't think it's even arguable now that the primary driver to change a habit is social media. And, and, right. and so that, that scares all of us, right? That social media is the primary driver. And I'm not sure there's even a 1B. It's like 1A, B, C, different primary drivers within social media. And then way the hell down there uh, is probably radio is next. And then probably third uh, is, is probably the in-stadium execution or maybe the, the in-face execution. And so now knowing that, and now knowing that that's inarguable, it changes the way you think about what is radio going to do for my client in this situation. And so you, if you think of radio as a support mechanism for social, and then you think further down that the in-stadium is a support mechanism for the radio and the social, it kind of helps steer how you're going to go about your business. And so that's ultimately what this whole podcast is about, is trying to say, okay, now that I know that that is what it is doing, that I can't expect you know, in the old school, if I did a remote, I knew that 5,000 people were showing up. Now I need to have that remote paired with social media to have the 5,000 people show up at my business on a Tuesday night. Uh, and if I don't have B, I'm not going to have A. <laughs> so yeah. it, it all kind of works together. And so that's, that's really, you know, where I was going with this podcast is just, hey, if it's, if it's secondary, how do you pair it? Yeah. And, and I, I'm going to tell you from a sponsorship standpoint, and, and we've tried to do more and more of this, uh, you think about um, on the radio side of things, if spot inventory, 30 second commercials and billboards is one thing. But then if you can have a feature that you own within a broadcast that gives you content that you can then own. What we've tried to do and evolve is we repurpose that content, that radio feature into social media. Um, and so from a, a marketing and advertising perspective, we're still delivering the radio value. But then for those that say we've got to check the box from a social media perspective, then we repurpose that content. And that that's been helpful. I will tell you also, I think, I think social media has been a good way for us specifically at Tennessee to promote our radio broadcast. So the university does a really good job and I'll use basketball as an example. They'll, they'll cut up every basketball game into a three minute highlight video and then they layer in our radio broadcast because you get that personality and color that goes with it. And, and I think it's as, it's as much as a promotional tool as it is anything else 
to to get fans to tune in and listen to us live because you've you've had this three minute video and you got to hear all of these fantastic calls during the game, which do not sound like that on television. Um, You're 100 so, right, and the features are cool, Brandon. And I tell you what, one of the, one of my pet peeves is features that have no purpose. Right. If you're the sponsor of the scoreboard, yeah. If you're the sponsor of the scoreboard, great. But how about you talk about what, how that sponsorship of the scoreboard, you know, comes back to your business? What does that relate to your business? And so, too many schools try to throw you in a feature that has no purpose, it has no tagline, it has no ask for the order portion of it. Uh, but you're 100 percent right. If it's done well, and I, you know, where the feature ties back into your business, and the social media then ties back into your business, and you're asking for the order somewhere. Uh, in there, then that feature works for me. And then it, uh, you're right, the, the comboing is what really makes it great. I'm going to give you another combo that we have found success with over the last couple of years with radio. And I'm sure you do this with your place. You know, the so, the radio personalities, whether they're pregame, in-game, color, play-by-play, -play, et cetera, all have tremendous social media followings, right? They got, I mean, awesome. I mean, people care what these people say. Uh, and, and so with you can for better back of the word, buy that personality. You know, it's an endorsement. It's a, it's an old fashioned NIL for, for yeah. that personality. If right. you could buy, if you could buy that personality uh, as a brand. And, and so that individual, that young that lady or gentleman is now repping your product. Number one, it's going to help you on social, but more importantly, you know that they're going to talk an extra 10 seconds about you when they get on the air talking about that pregame feature. They're going to talk about how good that product was or how great this is. And they use it themselves and all these other things. So we're going to go beyond what was contracted. Um, and it's a great way to combine social and radio. It is. And, and two other ideas and thoughts on how we combine social and radio. Um, it, a lot of networks across the country do this where uh, you will have a look in into the radio booth before the actual radio programming begins. And it can be a short one minute interview with your play by play voice prior to him going on the air that is streamed on social media live. And so here's a look at the radio booth. Tennessee's getting ready to take on Florida. This is Neyland Stadium in the background, teams warming up. So you get this exclusive content of what's going on on game day. And then the other thing, I think Alabama does a good job with this. There, there's actually ways through social media where you can watch. There's a camera position just outside of the radio booth that shoots back up into the radio booth where you can actually watch these guys call the game and listen to it at the same time on social media. That's awesome. Um, so th there has to be those ways. Just be creative from a marketing standpoint. Be creative in how you can almost merge or combine radio with social and then the two will play off one another. What am I, I, I'm sorry to be provincial here, but I have to because we, we've already, we've gone down the Tennessee road. So we're going to give you a little Seminole road here. When, when Florida State won the national championship against Auburn, they have a, a view of the radio booth with, uh, with our boy Gene Deckerhoff and William Floyd calling the game. And Gene is calm as a cucumber. He, the, you know, Jameis throws the ball to Kelvin Benjamin. He makes the catch. He calls the play. He calls the time. Meanwhile, his booth is exploding. There is shit flying everywhere. William Floyd has lost control. He's jumping around. He's high-fiving. The, the producers, the directors are all jumping on each other. And Gene is as calm as he could be, just calling the down and, you know, the situation. There's 14 seconds left, blah, 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 doing the whole thing professionally. And it is utter chaos all around him. That post is awesome. It's all the things. And you just want to make sure you want to listen to radio more to see this is the behind the scenes thing to your point. If that was sponsored, 
holy smokes, how many impressions would that have delivered? 100%. And, and I think that's part of the reason fans of, of specific teams tune into their radio network because they know that it's not this unbiased announcing crew that's that's in the booth. Yeah, they have a job to do, and you want to communicate the facts of what's happening on the field, but you also know deep down there's an affinity for the school that that announcing team and that production group has for that school. Right. And, you know, I always, one of the, one of the things we always do on the ball network at the end of all broadcasts is we go back and listen to the scoring highlights at the end of the game. And so we'll have a three to five minute segment where you can hear Bob Kessling give you the calls of the game. And, and I grew up listening to John Ward deliver that same segment. And I always wanted to know, what it sounded like on that 45-yard touchdown. How did he describe it? Because right. it was going to be totally different than what you got on television. Right, and you're right. The, the passion is why we tune in. And, and, and the lack of it, um, sometimes we confuse professionalism uh, you know, with, with lack of talent. And I, you know, but you, you want passion at some level, and that, you're right. I, the other thing, you know, talk about combining. Um, you know, as another example of what we've done uh, at Knox Sports, we've had a, a couple examples now. We've had some sausage companies uh, that have done this in a couple examples across the country where we use the pregame team to go in the parking lot, uh, do a surprise and delight uh, in the parking lot with some, uh, some folks while they're tailgating, you know, giving the product and doing all that and doing it, you know, pregame on the radio. And then we'll take all those pieces and then use them in stadium and on social, uh, you know, so we show these, these tailgate fans having a moment, uh, that were used. So you're combining social in stadium and radio uh, with an asset uh, and, and trying to kind of explode a single moment uh, with all three pieces. So I, I think, you know, radio, I guess my point is, and we're maybe a little provincial because we're older and we love it, but radio still has a place. Radio still has a place. It, it, it is not forgotten. Um, omnipresent television and social and all those other things I have not destroyed radio. I still think it's the number two support mechanism uh, for promotions that we do uh, across the country. I believe in it. I think what you said earlier, the fact that it is now available on apps, uh, it is now available uh, streaming on, on radio uh, across the country. Uh, you don't have to be in the market anymore. You don't have to have a local stick uh, to have some of these shows and to have the, the content has made radio still valuable and has kind of given it uh, a life where maybe we didn't think it would have one a couple of years ago when TV became omnipresent. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, but the fact still remains, even at Tennessee, the stadium holds a hundred thousand people. And sometimes perception is reality and seeing is believing. And if you're a marketer, I think sometimes we get into seeing that sign on the video board well, the reality is it's visible to those 90 to 100,000 fans that are in the stadium. We're still delivering three to five times that audience size on the radio network. So from a, as a marketer, we have to be, we have to be cognizant of that. There's, there's three to 500,000 people listening on radio. There's 100,000 people in the stands. And while that sign looks fantastic, radio still plays a pivotal role in, in reaching a mass audience. And, and it can be a support mechanism. And I, you touched on this earlier, and I think the spot, I think the, the point is spot on. The more that we can take promotions and features and repurpose those across all of our platforms of content distribution, the more effective those promotions uh, become. And 
to take trigger promotions. If Tennessee scores 30 points in this game, you get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich on Mondays. Well, we need to be talking about that in the stadium, but we also need to be talking about that on social media. We need to be talking about that on the coach's TV show on Sunday. We need to be talking about that on the post game and radio. That makes the sponsorship value soar in value and, and, and effectiveness. Um, and so I think, I think you're right. I think radio still plays maybe a number two role in everything we do, but all of these assets are almost complementary to one another. Yep. Yep. So it's not, they're not, it's not dead. That's the point of this. I think it is worth less in some cases, uh, but it's not dead. And it certainly is, is, is still a good answer. So we're going to wrap that one up. So thank you guys. Thank you for all of our listeners for downloading today. We will see you again the week of July 4th. Uh, so when you want to uh, you want to download that one, uh, you can be sitting on your rented beach porch, staring at your kids, setting off potentially deadly fireworks below you, uh, and you can listen to our podcast while relaxing with uh, a, a twelve pack at your side. So on behalf of Brandon Parks, I'm Paul Sickley with Knox Sports, and we thank you for listening to Knox Talk. <laughs>